Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Soprano. We have a awesome conversation on this podcast with an awesome superintendent whose team maintains an awesome golf course. Joining us is Peter Rapoccio. Peter is the superintendent at Concord Country Club in Concord, Massachusetts, which is in suburban Boston. Peter is a second generation golf course superintendent and his work and his team's work in Concord Country Club were the subject of the Enduring Greatness profile that ran in the May issue of Golf Course Industry. Peter's going to get into how he got into the industry, what the industry means to him, and, and a number of his maintenance practices that he uses at Concord Country Club. But before we get going with Peter, a word from the sponsor of the Enduring Greatness series. Among the countless reasons why we go to the course, communing with Mother Nature sits near the top of most lists. And the company most trusted to responsibly maintain our golf environments, Toro, continues to lead the way. Its line of all-electric and hybrid mowers and vehicles do their jobs as well as ever. Better, actually, because while their precision, power, reliability, and comfort remain the same, this new breed reduces engine exhaust emissions and noise pollution and increases efficiency and ease of maintenance. If only our golf swings were that productive and sustainable. Follow at Toro Golf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor to schedule a demo. Now on to our conversation with Peter. Well, Peter, thanks for taking the time to join us. We know things are hectic, to say the least, in New England and elsewhere for a golf course superintendent. Uh, the first thing here, uh, a few weeks ago, I had an incredible opportunity to walk Concord Country Club with you. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the course and your team's work, how would you describe where you work in your own words? Well, thanks, Guy. Yeah, it was a pleasure uh, pleasure walking with you, and uh, glad you could make it up. Um, Concord Country Club is... I describe it as this is a great place to work. It's um, we're kind of in the uh, the birthplace of the revolution. So the first uh, first shot for around the world um, was over the North Bridge, about two minutes down the road in the center of Concord. Um, it's kind of the, the birthplace of America. Um, so great, um, great old typical New England Donald Ross Club, um, kind of situated not too far from Boston. We're probably you know 25 to 30 minutes depending on traffic. Um, in that greater Metro West area. And, um, you know, just a good 18-hole, uh, we like to make championship-quality golf course. Um, you know, one we're pretty proud of and certainly a good place to work and proud to be here. What do you remember about the first time you stepped foot on Concord Country Club and you didn't get to see any turf that day, did you? No, the first time I, I came up um, to walk the, the golf course, I had an interview scheduled uh, a few days after. There was uh, eight inches of snow on the ground, and the general manager at the time you know, walked me down to the pro shop first tee, and he's like, oh, you know, here's the golf course. You know, you can try to trudge through if you want. So I decided to I'm going to walk the golf course, and um, you know, I, I walked 18 holes through uh, eight inches of snow. Um, I didn't know, really know about snowshoes at the time. I wish I did because they probably would have been helpful. But um, just walking through it in our first seven holes are uh, really – really special and a lot of uh, elevation changes you know up and down the property as, as, as you know from walking uh walking when you came uh, a few weeks back and I just walked around and just realized um it just looks like a really really great place uh a great obviously i didn't see any turf but i just kept thinking about all the potential you know with tree trees and um you know the undulations and everything there and thinking it was a great place to uh have a good opportunity and i, hope, I was hopeful that i would you know get it you know, well, that's why I kind of persevered walking through the snow and, and checking everything out and, and going through it. Um, you know, it was, it was a great experience. It was actually a great walk, and it was a nice day. So it uh, it made up for a, for a good uh, good story and a good time. Do you own snowshoes now, Peter? <laughs> actually, I, I don't. I uh, I still don't. If I get time in the winter, I usually uh, I just learn to take up skiing. But um, usually, I try to head south for the warmer weather if I can in the uh, in the winter time. But 
it's a it's a workout snowshoes. Uh, I give a lot of people credit that do it. It's pretty impressive. What's the skiing like in New England? Uh, skiing's great. Like I said, I learned three years ago. Um, it was something that you know, being superintendent, you're obviously busy in the summer, so vacations and stuff are are, are tough to do. So we're looking for a good family activity um, to do in the uh, winter. And my wife was a skier, so we decided to get the kids, you know, try that. And uh, I took it up at you know. 39, 40 years old, learn to ski, and it's been great. I love it. Uh, I actually took the kids by myself this winter um, up to Vermont, which was a good good experience for me, and I think the skiing is great. Uh, they say oh, some of the best skiers in the, the world come out of New England. Um, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure, but, you know, I, I certainly love it, and uh, so many opportunities up here, so many different mountains to go to. It's, it's just uh, it's great, uh, great sport and uh, a good family activity for the winter. The golf is certainly great, too. When you finally did get to see – turf at Concord Country Club. What what did you start seeing? And you've been on a lot of classic courses throughout your, your career. What about the, the routing and the design of the golf course you found really special at first? It just looked like a great um, great opportunity. The routing is um, is great. Uh, the front nine is awesome. Um, back nine is very good, too. And, you know, the golf course was in good shape. Um, the superintendent that was here before me did a very good job. You know, left the place in, in good hands. Um, so it was just being able to take on those successes and, and build upon them and kind of move it move it forward uh, a little bit more with what I've, you know, my experience is what I learned. But, um, you know, eight green complexes, um, just a lot of good uh, good sight lines. And, you know, there was a lot of area where, you know, you could see taking trees out, moving some stuff around. You could see, like, wow, that'd be cool to kind of open this view up or, or you know, kind of open up some of these sight lines in between holes and stuff like that. So, um you know, it just was it was really special to, to be here and see the potential and you know, um, what makes Concord so special too is just it's the people. Once I started you know, the job and I started, you know, obviously it was in the winter, but you know, when spring came around I started meeting members and I could just tell that, you know, this was a special place because of the people that belonged here and you know, also the staff that was here. But you know, members were really great. They were um, excited to, to meet me. They were, you know, welcoming and just you know, they've been the same since they've been very supportive and um it's just it's a great place to work and um you know great people to, to be around uh, so that's what makes it so special for me you grew up the son of a golf course superintendent and you made the decision at a relatively young age that you wanted something similar for, for your own career what was it about your father and his work that attracted you to this industry first i think my father's not a very good salesman because he tried talking me out of it several mm-hmm. times um for whatever reason but um, you know, I, I it, it was just cool. I, I mean, I got to spend a lot of time with my dad growing up because, you know, he worked uh, obviously on the golf course in the summer. And, you know, as a young kid, I remember him taking my brother and my mom out golf car rides late at night, kind of just riding the property and, and, you know, just him checking the place out. And, you know, I just always saw that as something like neat and special. And, you know, when he was there, he, he did a, he did a very good job, um, for the, you know, like 39 years he was there and he had a, you know, good amount of uh, rapport with members and just always a, a good um, quality product and a lot of respect. And, you know, I saw that, you know, and I just wanted to kind of like emulate that, like, wow, this would be, this would be a good career path. This would be good to do. And, um, you know, I love working on the golf course. I love getting up early. I love coming to work with them. So I'd like to, you know, this is something that I, I thought would be, you know, I wanted to do and kind of knew it at an early age and just pursued it and, and went from there. Before we get back to our conversation with Peter, another word from our sponsor. Two things tour pros hate, leaking oil down the stretch and their caddy having to quiet spectators. Golf course maintenance pros are the same, except they worry about literally leaking hydraulic oil and waking up neighbors with early morning mowing routines. 
Toro's new Greensmaster E-Triflex series riding greens mowers solve both problems. The engine generator model is amazingly quiet in operation, while the lithium-ion battery model is virtually silent. Both each Triflex models carry no hydraulic fluid on board, using all-electric components for traction, steering, lift, and cutting. This means not only are potential leaks a thing of the past, but noise complaints are, too. Follow at Toro Golf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor to schedule a demo. Now back to our conversation with Peter. Yeah, I mean, you literally grew up at Silver Spring Country Club, like, on the golf course. It was normal to you, right, just being on a golf course every day, Peter? It was. I mean, I... um. I think the first couple of years, my first two or three years of my life, I think we lived somewhere else. But, yeah, we lived right off the fifth green, um, about, you know, about uh, 50, 60 yards away on property. Um, so, I, you know, I, like I said, been around the golf course my entire life since I can remember. And that's what it was. It's, it's like I said, it's not a um, – I've always looked at it. It's not a, really a job. It's more of a lifestyle. I mean, you're just – you know, you're there, you know, on call all the time. I mean, the golf course is kind of like you're – like your second third fourth kid um and you just you're you're there you're always you know tuned into what's going on um and i just i i love that i just thought that was always something something cool something neat you know i got to spend a lot of time there growing up that was a great place to grow up um you know got to sneak out and walk nine holes or go play golf start on the 16 do a few holes and come back you know late at night or you know it was right down the road to work so it was it was always something um something special so peter you had this great experience with your dad at Silver Spring Country Club, but then you made the decision to go and work on some other golf courses. What were some of your other stops after Silver Spring, and what did you learn at those particular places? Yeah, so I was fortunate. Um, senior year of high school, I kind of knew what I wanted to do, obviously, going to the turf. And my dad was uh, very good friends with uh, Bob Alonzi, who was a superintendent at Wingfoot, and they happened to be hosting the PGA Championship. So I got to volunteer over there for – I believe it was a month, month and a half doing, um, we actually double cut fairways by hand for the 97 PGA championship, which was an experience in itself because it was my first time ever on a golf course for a major event and just to see you know, the grandstands and how many people and how much equipment it took to kind of pull off an event like that um, was pretty, pretty remarkable. And obviously walking the grounds of Wingfoot, it's a, it's a historic golf course and you know, it was absolutely perfect shape as it always was when Bob took care of it. And, um, it was just a neat, neat experience. Um, one that I, you know, certainly uh, was like, wow, this is this is a big time. This is pretty cool. Um, so you know, having that experience, I you know, obviously went through school and um, was fortunate um, to apply to uh, some jobs um, after college and was fortunate to land Oakland Hills as a second assistant where they had the uh, Ryder Cup in 2004 and the USAM in, in 2002. Uh, so I, I came there in uh, spring of t- 2002 and worked for Steve Cook and uh, it was just an awesome, awesome experience. And we had both um, both major tournaments um, and then working for Steve. Steve is probably one of the most detail-oriented, organized individuals um, that I ever got to work with and learned a lot from him about um you know, just being, you know, efficient, being organized, um, you know, having a, a plan for just about everything and, and, you know, having a plan for when things don't go wrong, which they never really did. But, you know, he always was was on top of everything um, and just a great guy to work for. Um, very even keel, just, you know, um, was good at communicating um, and just it was a really great experience working there for the three years for the two events. I got to come back home. Um, Got to work uh, at Westchester Country Club as the uh, 
assistant for five years for Joe Alonzi. Um, I had previously worked at Westchester as an intern, I think back in 1998, I believe. And Joe was another good, uh, good friend um, of my father's and got to work for him for five years. And it was just a, a great experience because Westchester is, it's, um, it's a factory. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's just, it's a special place. Um, it's got a hotel on property. It's got you know, two and a half golf courses, squash courts, huge drag range, a beach club. I mean, it is just, it is a factory. And um, it's, that job was 24 seven, whether it was in the summertime working uh, crazy hours, getting stuff done or the wintertime working crazy hours, plowing the eight miles of roads or whatever they have and all the projects that we did. I mean, we must've done, I don't know how many millions of dollars of projects in the five years I was there from drainage to irrigation to, you know, XGD greens to building golf holes. I mean, it's just, it was just an awesome experience. And it's probably one of the most special places I've been. Um, I got to live right right over the maintenance facility. I actually got married there, not at the facility, but my wife lived with me there. I actually had my first daughter was born who lived at the main facility apartment for for 10 months. And, um, you know, just uh, just a great experience and one that I I truly uh, appreciate and um, enjoy. You know, there's a lot of of special connections with Westchester and, you know, all the past uh, guys that have went through there that are superintendents or, you know, uh, professionals doing uh, other things always talk fondly. It's like a it's like a fraternity little club that uh, we all went through and uh, share different stories from the times we were. But it's just a great, great place. Peter, we have a lot of younger listeners to our podcast. What advice would you give to them about succeeding at that high-level private club? What type of mentality and work ethic does it take to, to work at some of the places that you just mentioned? It's one of the best piece of advice um, that I ever got was to, when I was going to a, a place like that was, you know, just keep your ears open, you know, keep your eyes forward and just um, listen, try to see what's going on. Um, you know, you put the time in working in places like that, um, it does pay off. I mean, there's so much that goes on with tournaments and just the scale of everything. Um, you know, if you're not learning anything, then, you know, obviously you're not paying attention. I think, um, I think there's so much, um, so much opportunity in places like that to see, you know, fun on a a big scale and see it maintained at a, you know, the highest quality, um, level, because I think, you know, to to be a superintendent at places like that, um, you have to do that sort of sort of thing. And it's certainly a special place. Uh, those are places or opportunities are, you know, few and far between. But if you get opportunity to do those, I think um, I think you just keep keep learning a lot, ask a lot of questions, keep your uh, keep your ears open, listen, and pay attention. I think you'll be uh, fine. Was it your goal to work at a work at classic clubs? You know, that were designed during the golden age, or is that just kind of how it it played out played out for you? How it's laid out. I mean, I've always been a fan of um, you know golf architecture and you know it's different styles and the different. Um, different people that have, uh, you know, contributed to the game of golf. And I think it's just kind of the way it, it, uh, it worked out for me. I was fortunate. I get to spend time at Oakland Hills, which is a, you know, obviously a, a great Ross course. And obviously it's been, you know, tweaked and redesigned over the years and, you know, obviously working at Concord similar, but, you know, I've always been a, been a fan of Ross. I, you know, I've, um, loved his work. Um, especially some of the stuff, you know, at Pinehurst is always a, you know, awesome place. Um, and, you know, I just, I've been fortunate to be working at some of these classic clubs. I mean, um, obviously Westchester's, a, you know, Walter Travis, which is another great, great design. Um, but, you know, I just, I've been fortunate. Um, I haven't really, you know, worked on a, any of the modern, modern courses or, you know, the newer places. Um, it's kind of been more of the classic, classic thing. And that, that's been great for me. And I, you know, I, I can't say I'd never do something different than that, but, um, you know, right now I think that's just how I associate it with being a superintendent. I just think it's, uh, you know, great privilege and great opportunity that I get to do that. 
Peter, tell our listeners about the maintenance footprint at Concord Country Club, what you're dealing with in terms of acreage, grasses, and what type of uh, golf experience are you and your team ultimately trying to provide for your members? So our footprint is, you know, we're, the club's property is about 199 acres. Um, you know, we have roughly 30 acres of fairways, um, four acres of tees, about six acres of greens and approaches, and about 40 acres of rough I'd say probably 25 acres of fescue native areas. You know, we're obviously an older piece of property, so we have a mixed bag of grasses. We have, you know, obviously bengrass, poa. We have some fescues in our fairways. We have ryegrass in some fairway spots. You know, we're just um, a russer, a mixed bag. It's, you know, one of those classic older older golf courses. And, you know, we're trying to obviously maintain um, the golf course to its best possible conditions. And when you have multiple varieties of grass, that can be a little bit of a challenge from time to time, especially given the, you know, weather, you know, did, you know, what's going on obviously throughout the course of the year, but uh, weather plays a big part of what we do, especially being in new England, you know, it's, it's 39 degrees on uh, Monday morning. It's going to be 86 on, you know, Saturday. So it's just, it's just a crazy wild swing of weather up here. And, um, you know, we're trying to make a golf experience as, as good as it can for our members and guests each and every day. And by doing so, we're trying to get as much work as we can done without, you know, letting members and guests see us do it. So we're, you know, obviously out early in the morning trying to, you know, stay out of their way, get get what we need to get done so we can, you know, uh, work in the peripherals. And um, we want their golf experience to be as good as it, it can be. And we're, you know, obviously focused on providing, you know, good quality conditions and, and golf should be played from the ground up. So we're, you know, we focus on, on those type of things and, you know, we're really working on our moisture management and trying to, you know, keep our surfaces as firm as we can and, you know, uh, have that uh, be a, you know, a big part of what we do here on the golf course and um, make that part of the experience for, for the members and, you know, their guests, because that's, uh, that's what we're here for. I, I learned so much from you during our walk around the golf course. And one of the things that I really found fascinating was that your just philosophy towards the older grasses, you try to promote what's been there for a long time, Peter, right? And how good are some of those grasses that have lasted over a hundred years on that site? Fortune, we have some we have some varieties of uh grass that have been here forever and we have some you know some varieties of poa that will you know some will wake up early in the spring some wake up late some you know you could absolutely leave them alone uh, put a drop of water on them and they hang in there and there's others that need a little bit more tlc um but we we manage what we have and you know the grass has been here for a long time a lot longer than certainly i have and any of us so we you know try to give that highest quality product by you know just doing what we know is right and you know obviously promoting good grasses along the way we obviously we, when we overseed we're trying to use some of the newer varieties of bank grass but you know the the turf we have here is is good it's special and it, it, it's uh it works for um for the club it works for us and we've been fortunate we've actually you know all the airification cores we've taken over the years um from our greens you know some of the pole we've actually built a uh, fifteen thousand square foot nursery that we use for you know sod projects we use it for plugging if we need to um we're doing a big project this fall uh our 10th green we're gonna uh, rebuild it we're gonna pick the uh pick the turf up and then we're gonna have to add some some grass to it and that's gonna come from our nursery so it all blends in it looks the same and it all matches what we have so we were able to, to maintain um that consistency throughout the golf course. And I think that's the big thing is you're trying to put a consistent product out there uh, each and every day and um, learning what you have on property, learning what type of grasses you have, how to manage them, kind of tie it all together. I think it's a big component of that. 
you can't put a consistent product out there, obviously, without having the right people and team in place. Uh, what has it been like over the last decade plus building your team and what type of team does it take to make Concord Country Club such a special golf course? Yeah, it's all about the staff. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what it comes down to. It's about uh, the people you have working with you, um, because without them, uh, you can't you can't do anything. Um, I've been fortunate. You know, I had four, I think I had four full time staff when I got to Concord. I think we have ten now. Um, and you know, I've been fortunate. I've had a lot of great assistants over the years um, that have contributed. Each you know have done tremendous things, and I'm, I'm fortunate now. I have a, a good team in place with a core group of guys that really give it their all each and every day to make the golf course, um, you know, as, as good as it can be. And, you know, they're all our goals are, you know, aligned and we're trying to put a quality product out there. But, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's all about the staff. And I have some guys that have been with me for eight, nine years. I have some guys that have been, you know, here a year or two, um, but they're all contributing. They're all, you know, doing their part. Um, and they're all just good people to be around. And I think that's the big thing is, is the, um, just the type of people. I mean, when you surround yourself with good people, good things happen. And that's just, you know, part of it. And uh, I'm very, very fortunate. You know, my staff is uh, special and um, I'm just, I'm lucky to have them. And, uh, you know, I, I try to remind them of that each and every day that I talk to them. And just, you know, it's just, uh, it's a good, uh, good group of people. You know, very, very fortunate, like I said. Not only did we get to walk around the golf course, we walked around the, the grounds management center. I, I love that nomenclature. Uh, a, how did you come about that nomenclature? And B, uh, we saw a lot of equipment. How do you go about selecting the right equipment? And how much equipment does it take to, to get the, the course the way that the members expect it? We built this main facility complex in 2000 and, uh, 2012. So we had two buildings. We actually built the, the grounds building, and then we had another building, um, which is our environmental building, which you know houses our, our fuel or wash recycling or can mix and load. And we were just we were sitting there talking. We're like, well, we got to for permitting. We had a number of the buildings, and we had to name them. So we came up with grounds management center, environmental management center. So we have the GMC, and then we have the EMC. And that's just kind of how we we did it, and um, it just kind of stuck, and it, it worked out. Our grounds management center houses all of our um, equipment. Um, we're a big. Um, we have two floors. We have. Uh, close to 10,000 square feet of uh, actual equipment storage. It doesn't include the, you know, the mechanics area. Uh, it doesn't include the um, administration and the housing, um, but it, it does include all of our, everything from carts to fairway units to um, tractors. And it's it's a big, uh, big undertaking, one that we're very proud of when we take um, a great pride in maintaining, keeping it clean, obviously having everything organized, parked in a certain spot so it's easy to get out, it's efficient. You know, we're fortunate. We have great support from our equipment distributor. We're a big, uh, big fan of Toro. Um, Toro's been awesome with us. We do a big equipment lease with them, um, and they've been super, super great in um, keeping uh, the quality uh, products. We're trying to you know, quality give us quality equipment to give us a quality product. And um, you know, we have a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to try to get things done early in the morning to get out ahead of play. Um, and uh, we're very fortunate with that. And our equipment manager is absolutely outstanding. He's been with us uh, a long time and he does a phenomenal job with, uh, with maintaining everything. So we're, um, we're very fortunate. We've reached a point where uh, there are a lot of clubs getting to the point where they're considering adding some electric equipment or have already added some electric equipment. You recently did add some electric equipment to your fleet. What went into that thought process and what have you learned about that equipment so far, Peter? 
Yeah, so we've done, we're, you know, we don't have too many neighbors. Um, we have one um, couple on the uh, west side of the property. But um, one of the things that we're cognizant of is obviously, um, you know, being good stewards of the environment and obviously, um, you know, with the way fuel prices are and everything else, you know, we started looking about two years ago into, you know, what can we do as an alternative? And we, you know, looked at some electric cars and we actually recently got um, a bunch of the uh, Toro um, MDX electric carts, um, and they've been great. Um, a couple of reasons. One, they're obviously, you know, they're lithium batteries, so you just plug them in. You don't need to worry about filling them up. Um, they're awesome around the golf course because one of the biggest things is, you know, is obviously noise. You want to try to get what you can done but not impact, you know, members and, and while they're playing. So the electric carts stay, you know, quiet. You get around the golf course. We actually, um, my assistants use them because they're on uh, – the cart a lot driving around scouting doing course setup checking on the guys um watering in the afternoons and they've been great because they just um they're quiet they can bounce in and out it saves them a lot of time uh, from having to stop um and you know and not interrupt anybody um and they're also good in the early mornings if we're out you know and we don't have to run you know gas gas utility vehicles around the edges of the property um they're very uh very good to have and they made a huge difference for us and definitely looking to add some more to the fleet um in the coming years You've spent more than a decade now doing an amazing job at an amazing club. At this point in your career, Peter, how do you avoid complacency? And what's next for you and the team? I think anything. Um, you try to look what you do and you try to improve upon you know what you've done. I mean, you know, to I think sometimes to you know just the way it's kind of just the way I'm wired. I, I guess you know looking at how my dad approached his job. You know, I, I kind of the same way, you know, sometimes it's hard to stop and look at the 95% you've done. You're always kind of looking at the 5% that you got left to do. I think that's kind of, you know, how I just approach things from time to time. And, um, you know, what makes this place special, like I said earlier, is the is the members. Um, and they're always super, super supportive. They're always interested in, you know, making the golf course better. And that kind of that kind of fuels the fire to like, okay, well, let's, let's keep kind of doing some stuff. Let's keep pushing the ball forward and, you know, one of the biggest things that I always remember, um, you know, is you kind of want to look at managing a golf course like yeah, you want to be better the, tomorrow than you were today. You want to be better next week than you were this past week, next year than this year. I think that's just how you have to approach it um, because it's, um, you know, you want to keep improving, keep making the place better. And I think if you can do that, you know, I think people notice that and they see results and, and they're they're happy to have you and they just want to continue to support you. And when they support you, you know, good things happen because you're able to get projects done, you're able to get equipment, you're able to, um, you know, build your budget, hopefully get a, a, a good, better staff in place. And, um, you know, that's what it's all about. We're very fortunate here in terms of support um, from, you know, the board to uh, our general manager who is uh, – Greg Sincato is a phenomenal uh, individual. He's been super supportive over the last uh, four or five years he's been here, and we've kind of really pushed the ball forward on, on trying to get some stuff done. So, you know, I think the next three to five years are, are going to be um, going to be a lot of fun. We have the Massachusetts Amateur this summer, so we're looking forward to that. And then we're going to start working um, on our master plan, um, which was done by Andrew Green, who is uh, one of the great young golf architects, uh, Ross um, restoration specialist out there. He's been doing great work, and we're very fortunate to have him. He's going to be doing our 10th green, 11th tee this, uh, this fall. We're looking to do a few more things, and I think we're going to do a complete course-wide um, bunker uh, restoration project in 2025, 
with Andrew, and we're very, very excited to to get that going. Under the members are very excited and see what what his vision is for the golf course and how he's going to put everything together. And um, I think the next three to five years are going to be real special. I think we're going to be, as I mentioned earlier, pushing towards more of that you know electric equipment. I think we'll be looking at that. I think we'll be looking at you know whether it comes in the next three to five years, but down the line, I think you're looking at more autonomous stuff. You know, more technology based stuff with soil sensors. Obviously, more moisture meters, uh, everything, weather stations. I think all that stuff's going to help you know, impact and play a decision, or play a help impact the decision that you're going to make um, over over time. And I think you know that's kind of where we're looking at because you know who knows what the labor market's going to be in the next few years. Um, so it's obviously tough finding staff, tough finding good staff. Um, so you have to kind of be creative, be figure out ways to be more efficient um, with your time, with what you have to work with on the golf course, and um, you know, I think the next three to five years, you know, they're going to be a challenge, but I think it's an exciting challenge. I think that's how you have to look at it. It's, you know, um, what can you do and then kind of go from there and, and make it better. So, If I'm not mistaken, when you host those state tournaments, you get a, a pretty special volunteer on your team. What what is What does your dad think when he comes by, Peter? Um no, he he's great. It's it was fun. We had a so we had the Newham Am um twenty twenty and um he came by, spent the spent a few days with me, we rode around, checked the place out, um, which was great. And he's just, you know, he jumped in with the guys doing some divots. He he helped out and um, you know, um every time he comes up he's always always positive on, you know, I'm always looking at like, Oh, dad, I got this spot over here, dad, or I got this over here that doesn't look right, and you know, this and that and he's just always like, you know, he keeps it positive and um which is kind of funny because when he was a superintendent i could remember you know he'd be complaining about a softball size of grass on a, on a fairway that was, didn't look right when the whole place was perfect and you know that's probably where i get it from but you know it's just it's just great it's special to be able to you know grow up have your dad you know getting to see him work and then you kind of flip the script that i'm uh in the, the driver's seat of the golf cart, so to speak, he's kind of riding around and you know, looking at stuff. Um, certainly a proud moment for me. I'm sure it is for him as well. Well, Peter, it was an absolute joy to get to visit you a few weeks ago, and it was an absolute joy to have you on the podcast. You know, thanks for taking so much time to help with this uh, story and also the print story, and uh, good luck with your 2022 season. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for uh, you know, taking the time to, to talk with me. I certainly enjoyed having you. I hope uh, hope it works out. I hope everyone enjoyed it. So thank you. I appreciate it.